0: Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the second podcast, the third in our unexpected series um, for Holy Week. I uh, have a guest panel with me that I'm glad uh, could join me today for this discussion. And it's a a nice discussion. We're going to talk about weddings today. Um, I'm Pastor Eric Norris, the the pastor of Discipleship and Connection at Westview. We have Pastor Dylan, who's our youth. Mm -hmm. Is that the correct title, youth pastor? Yeah, yeah. I'm the youth guy. All right. So he handles the mob. And uh, then we have Olivia, who helps handle the mob. And we've asked uh, Marion Bergdenhill to uh, join us today to bring us some expertise from his many years as a Bible teacher, uh, many of those shared in Africa. And so he's going to give us his perspective from a Jewish wedding, and that's what we're going to talk about today: is just uh, the, the Jewish uh, wedding parable, the wedding feast parable that occurred during Holy Week. And so so far we've talked about when we started the series. On Jesus, his unexpected entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, riding on a donkey. And uh, we talked about what that meant. Uh, the podcast that you listened to last night um, was a podcast where we explored his first act, which was clearing the temple, which was kind yeah. of an unusual act. You wouldn't think about mixing that with Passover, yeah. uh, but that's the first thing that Jesus did. Uh, and so you heard that on the podcast. And then again, t- today we're going to talk about uh, this wedding feast. So, so when Jesus um, enters, it says the next day, and that's the next day after the clearing of the temple or after the, uh, he enters Jerusalem, he goes back to the temple and he encounters his old friends, the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and uh, and he just can't seem to get away from them. And they are, are incessantly trying to trap him, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They're trying to trap him um, mm-hmm. to, to get rid of him is what they're trying to do. And so he um, he, he engages them. He tells a couple of parables that are directed pretty much at them, trying to get them to, you know, to get a message to them, and uh, and he doesn't do that. And then he goes into this parable we want to talk about today, and that's this parable of this Jewish wedding feast that takes place. And so, um, Olivia, would you share the scripture? The scripture today is from Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 1 to 14.
1: Yeah, of course. Jesus also told another parable. He said the kingdom of heaven could be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast had been prepared. The bulls and the fattened cows have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guest he has invited ignored them and sent their own, and went, on, went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his message and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and sent out his armies to destroy the murderers and burn their towns. And he said to the servants, The wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping, gashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen.
0: So that's kind of a unusual parable, isn't it? To, uh, to take place during Holy Week. Um, <laughs> it's certainly not something that you would have expected maybe Jesus to be sharing. Yeah. Um, and so we want to talk today about the significance of that. And I thought we'd start just talking about weddings in general. And my wedding was 27 years ago. I don't know how many years yours was.
2: My wife and I will be uh, married 63 years in June.
0: Okay. Well, so obviously, and the ones that might remember their wedding the most, would <laughs> be this couple who just happened recently. So tell me about your wedding, about your guest. And you, you had full wedding halls, as I understand it, as well. Mm, yeah. So
3: that would have been just... Just a little over two years ago. All right, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so we thought that our wedding would be small. We originally wanted a very small wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then making the list of both of our families and the list of people that we really wanted to be there, we ended up being 200 to 300 mm-hmm. over the number we originally thought. Um, and that was with cutting people out. And so... Um, we thought we would have like 200 guests and we ended up sending out around 500 invites. Um, And so it was really hard to make that list as both of us are people people and um, really wanted everyone to be there to celebrate with us.
3: Yeah, it was pretty hard to narrow down and it was amazing how quickly the number grew because you just, you want the people. That you care about to be there, yeah. but then all the wedding gifts you got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which was enticing. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, but it's it's amazing how quickly that number grows. Just thinking about the number of people that you care about and that have mm-hmm. had an impact on your life, it yeah, that number really skyrocketed. Which then also meant the number of wedding gifts also <laughs> also grew. So no complaints there.
0: And so you're, you you had wedding clothes. I mean you. How many tuxes did you have to rent and how many dresses did you have to make special?
1: Well, my dress was the most special and there was only one of those. (laughs) (laughs) But we each had four people in our wedding um, and then two ushers. And so you guys were all in suits, um, maybe Mm -hmm. suits.
3: Yeah, there was never a doubt that it was meant to be classy. Yes. Which is what you were going for. That was the word classy. you wanted us to look spiffy and nice and formal and all of those things and so it was it was the full get up
1: yeah
2: yeah
3: so
1: many people showed up in dresses and um, tuxes and whatever to look classy that was our goal
3: it was also at the beginning part of February so dressing down wasn't really an option for the weather either so The jacket stayed on the whole time and stuff like
0: that to, yeah.
3: to keep warm.
0: Well, interesting enough, the things that you shared are part of the parable we talk about today. There was guests that were on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, clothes are part of the parable. And so uh, what I've asked uh, Mary to do is maybe to talk to us about a t- traditional Jewish wedding and what that would have looked like and, and uh, how different it probably was mm-hmm. and how it's important to understand that as we talk about the significance and the meaning the things that were unexpected and expected out of this wedding that we're going to take away from. So, mm-hmm. tell us about a Jewish wedding.
2: Well, first, to know that a wedding is really very special. It's a big deal. And as far back as history is recorded, there has always been a socially acceptable way, practice, by which a man and a woman are joined together in some form of permanent bond, we call it a marriage, but uh, all cultures have a, uh, a wedding of some kind, but it might be uh, quite a bit different than yours or, or mine <laughs> 60 plus years ago. The Western marriage, you just ex- uh, told us about, mm. about that, and, and it's typical. At some point, I expect Dylan saw Olivia and thought, that's a beautiful girl. I'd like to get to know her a bit better. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> and so I expect that there was a period of dating and you got to know her pretty well and you thought you would like to make a, have a deeper relationship mm-hmm. with him. Uh, I expect it was fairly typical. Maybe you were down on one knee, uh, a ring, uh, an engagement. Mm -hmm. And a period of time when you were engaged, you set a date, you had a wedding. After the wedding was the reception. And after the reception was the honeymoon. Mm -hmm. And that that whole uh, scenario, All of that is a part of our typical Western wedding. Mm -hmm. In the ancient world, the idea that you would, as a man, select your wife, someone who you would marry and live with all your life, uh, that was a strange concept. In fact, in even many cultures today, in Asia, in Africa, the idea that the individual man would ask an individual woman to marry him, and they would individually together they would plan a wedding—that uh, that's not culturally acceptable, and because they they do not favor individual decisions as much as in a as uh, a, a group, a family, yeah. making the decisions, and that's been true since the, the ancient world, in in the, the the time of the Bible. So, in the the contrast is quite stark. The in these uh, cultures where you have uh, a, a group, a family making these important decisions, you see in in many cultures to choose your wife, that's too important for you to make alone. You have mm-hmm. to do that with your mm-hmm. with your family. Your career is too important to choose on your own. You do that with your family. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of, a, in these traditional practices of including the family in all of your decision-making, and that's what we see probably here in this parable. An arranged uh, marriage, Mm -hmm. rather than an individual Mm -hmm. making those decisions. In arranged uh, marriages, in the ancient world as in Mm -hmm. many parts of the world even today, the idea of a compensation gift is is very important Mm -hmm. because the girl has great value in the family and you are taking this girl away from the family and so a compensation gift is uh, needs to be given and what that is how much it is is up to negotiation and you as the man might be as the, the potential husband you might be involved in that but this is Family heads are going to get together and they're going mm-hmm. to talk about this and what, is, what it will be and what it's value. How valuable is this girl in mm-hmm. that family? In uh, agricultural societies, well, let's say you came from western Kansas and your family was a, uh, were uh, ranchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many cows is uh, Olivia worth? I'd like to see an answer to that question. <laughs> a, <laughs> a, lot. Lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Yeah, but but the families are going to decide that, you see, and they'll negotiate till they come to a, an agreement of what it would be. It might be monetary gift. It might be, in some cases, uh, a goat or goats or cows or mm-hmm. whatever is of value that the that the husband and the fam his family can negotiate. And uh, so they will uh, come to an agreement. Now comes the betrothal. The betrothal is a is much stronger than an engagement. you know if after a period of time, your engagement uh, she's not really what I want, so you can break the engagement. Mm-hmm. The betrothal that's our English translation of what the, the, this uh, is in the ancient, uh, or in traditional societies. The betrothal is, is binding, because it's agreement between families, not just between two individuals who mm-hmm. can break that their engagement. But now you've got a binding contract between families.
0: And so in, so, in essence, this betrothal was almost as binding as the wedding itself. Right? Almost, yeah, they, but they don't live together yet. Mm-hmm. They're
2: not husband and wife yet but they are bound to each other. The gift is, the compensation gift is presented. They're all good with this marriage. And so now they are ready to invite their guests. Who's going to come to this wedding? Well, of course, family and friends and probably everybody in the village. Uh, Jesus uses... This this term king, and that's probably a generic term that he's mm-hmm. using here. Uh, in uh, the king was probably a like the head of a, a village, mm-hmm. uh, a very important person, not not a king in a palace somewhere, right. but uh, nevertheless probably the leading citizen of, of the town or of the village, and so. Now the invitation is goes out to just about everybody around who would come to the wedding, but no date set yet because this is a big deal, this wedding, and it's going to take a lot of preparation. You've got to get yeah. your food all prepared. You've got to get your clothes uh, arranged and prepared. And so no date is yet set. At some point later, how long it depends on what the circumstances are. it might be days, it might be weeks, it might be months. sometimes these arranged weddings uh, take years. and at some point then a date is set, and now we're ready to call the people the 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 scripture is interestingly how it's it's put here when the banquet was ready he sent his servants to notify, another translation says to call, to call those who were invited and another translation says those who have been invited. Mm-hmm. So this so, is in essence is a second invitation. We're ready. Yeah, it's it's the call. You've been invited, now come. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like a second invitation, but it's, the formal invitation went sometime before. Yeah. Now, the servants of this important man go out okay okay everybody now come and so there the uh, wedding is now ready to take place so the groom goes to collect his bride from her home he takes with him friends uh, some of the brides friends are going along bridesmaids this is a big procession, they Mm -hmm. are happy and they sing and they dance and they go to the bride's home and they get her and take her now to your parents' home, to the home of the groom. And now they are ready to have their wedding banquet, their wedding feast. In these cultures, the wedding The the wedding banquet was the wedding. They didn't, uh, in our culture, the the reception is uh, an Mm add-on. But now, all these people are together, now comes the wedding. The wedding is the feast. And a part of that feast is the ritual of being married. And that in the Jewish custom, and especially in that ancient, period of time meant that the couple were, were put center stage There, you know, all these people are around tables and they're uh, ready to, to eat and maybe have already started eating but now comes this, this special ritual a uh, temple pe- priest or a uh, uh, or a synagogue rabbi will say a blessing you will have a very beautiful veil now put over her head Mm. which indicates she's mine. Mm. You guys stay away, she's now mine. And there might be a contract, sometimes that was a part of this, uh, but again it was the families Mm -hmm. who did the, the contract and the signing and so the wedding that took place as a wedding feast, a wedding banquet. Now, what if some people didn't show up? What if the main people you invited didn't show up? What would that mean? And your father, he's the king now. Uh, Dylan, your your Mm -hmm. father Mm -hmm. would be furious. I think that's the word here. He would be angry because Think of the uh, disrespect yeah. that this was. Uh, think of, in, in the eyes of the community, important people who were invited didn't show up, and uh, he would be very angry. So this did not turn out to be the expected wedding event, the wed- wedding mm-hmm. banquet
0: didn't quite go as planned did it it didn't so so pastor eric i think there must be a, a lesson in
2: there someplace well
0: as as any parable does you know it's, it's a story told them to, uh, told to give a, a spiritual implication or spiritual meaning and so everybody in this room hearing this parable would have known the importance and i hear central in this in this parable this whole of thought of choosing uh you know uh, the the man family you know and how that's they come together in that choosing so it's not just a, a person and so I think this parable that choosing is, is pretty central to the theme and everybody listening would have known kind of uh, the characters involved the characters here um, obviously have a bigger meaning than just the king mm-hmm. just the the son and the guest and so tell me what might uh, some of those characters represent in this parable who might the king be in the story
3: Well, Barion mentioned that the king would probably would have been the father of the groom.
2: Okay. But if there's a lesson to be learned, that's that's it. what's interesting about these parables, because the, that relationship, father-son, that's mm-hmm. obvious. But Jesus is telling a story here that has a deeper mm-hmm. meaning. Yeah. So these characters have
3: yeah.
0: a different meaning than father and son. And remember, we'd said that he had just, he has this ongoing battle with this group of religious leaders who no yep. doubt were listening as well, and so, you know, he's, he's taken a few jabs at them as well. Right, yeah. And so, the, the father in this case, you know, was probably God. God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus might have been the son. And the church. Mm-hmm. And then the guest. And so, this whole idea of chosen, and so that's where I want to kind of go as we talk about this. Is you know did Jesus tell this parable um, kind of in a way to get these Jewish listeners attention mm-hmm. um, and this and that's I think because there were there were a chosen group weren't they mm-hmm. this this group mm-hmm. of guests were a chosen people um, and so he sends the messengers out once they get the invitation. He sends this group out to say, we're ready. A second invitation come. And so we see God's graciousness there. You know, He's because there is a chosen group. And then they actually kill the messenger. And so, you know, Jesus is in, in Jerusalem for what purpose? He's going to end up on a cross. Yeah. Yeah. And so the messenger, the one sent from the king to gather the, the chosen, the invited, and uh, they, they treat him harshly and kill him. And so... There's a little bit of deeper meaning in that, but uh, that's what a parable does. You know, it takes kind of a common, ordinary story and uh, and gives some deeper implication. And so that's kind of all of the the unexpected. Um, another part of the unexpected would have been um, this whole idea of the guest not showing up. And you mentioned it. It would have been a humiliating if you had invited all your friends, what if all 500 of your people, you got to the day of the wedding and nobody showed up?
3: Yeah, that would have been very frustrating because it's not like they didn't know. Yeah. Like, I would have expected them to be prepared for it with the invitation. It shouldn't have caught them off guard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, in this case, that's exactly what happens in this story. And, And so we give that, we take the lesson from that and there's this whole idea of um, this chosen group of people who, by covenant, were chosen by God, weren't they? And uh, again, this covenant, we we call the Abrahamic covenant, so let's walk back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so what was the basics of this Abrahamic covenant?
2: Well, the in, in Genesis chapter 12, where we read uh, this covenant with Abraham between God and Abraham and God said if you if you follow me if you obey me this is rough paraphrase if you obey me I will bless you mm-hmm. and I will bless your seed they use it's your family mm-hmm. and I will bless all those who bless you and so it's it's a rather broad uh, Promise of God's blessing upon His chosen one, which was Abraham, and then His chosen ones, and, uh, mm-hmm. all of His descendants, mm-hmm. as we know as the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the, this was God's family, mm-hmm. and the and throughout the Old Testament, there are these analogies, these marriage analogies, which uh, help us to understand how close and
0: how uh, strong mm. that relationship was supposed to be. Yeah. And the whole idea of that, again, was God wanted a separate group of people. He wanted people that didn't look like anyone else around them. They served one God, um, They, you know, God was their God, He was their people. And, and so just that whole idea of, of this relationship is pretty central to that, that theme in this Abrahamic covenant. And so in our parable that we're talking about today, you know these wedding guests are the chosen. They're the ones that God says, "Hey, you know, I want you to be a part of my wedding banquet. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you." And we see His grace and His mercy. Um, and then eventually His patience runs out, doesn't
2: it? Mm-hmm. And he's- yeah, because He sent God sent the prophets over the years, over the centuries. Mm-hmm. Many prophets that God sent yeah. with the message, "You're my people." Follow me, obey me, and I will bless you. But over and over and over again, yeah. the people of Israel, who were supposed to be following God and obeying God,
0: uh, they disobeyed. Worship titles. We talked about that on Sunday about the fact that you know prophecy way back to Daniel and Zechariah spoke to this time, and yet they yeah. missed it. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the chosen, and so you know the invitations offered. You know that it says right there, save the date, save yeah. the date, and uh, and they were so preoccupied that they missed it. And they give a whole bunch of reasons. You know, I'm busy. I'm gonna, you know, I have to to do this. I have to do that. I think we're guilty of that sometimes in our own lives, aren't we? We're, we're just, we see the invitation. Yeah. Okay. We see the invitation of God, and, and all of a sudden we have all kinds of excuses. Uh, and so we see a turn in this parable where the guests are invited. The king gets furious. He says, you know, forget them. Let's, let's go invite people who will show up. And so what does he do? He invites us. He invites us. <laughs> and that's, that's the that's a short version of the story in the parable. He invites, he says, go to the streets, mm-hmm. just bring them in. Um, I don't know how accurate this is. In several read things that I read about the wedding, it was also um, the host's responsibility to provide wedding clothes. Now, in your wedding, you rented tuxes. You had dresses made special and if one of your groomsmen or one of your bridesmaids would have showed up and had the wrong tucks or not the right dress you know you just said i'm sorry but you can't stand up with me yeah you're out and so yeah. we see that in this parable so if the king you know provides a wedding clothes it's kind of curious i mean in this parable that's always kind of caught me off guard is i, I didn't understand the guy who had the wrong clothes i mean he took him off the street and invited him into a wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, why would he all of a sudden say, "Well, your, your clothes aren't good enough"? Mm-hmm. Well, if you if the thought is that you know he provided the clothes and that was mm-hmm. another way to humiliate him and say, you know, you can't even wear the clothes that I give you for my right. wedding banquet. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. so tell me a little bit more about this guy in the wrong clothes. Is, is there any significance to that? Well, I've, uh, again,
2: you have the, the analogy of our Christian life. Our relationship with God, as uh, as putting on clothing, you put off the old and mm-hmm. you put on That's right. the new. And so, when people accept the call to the banquet, accept the call to follow Jesus, we we'll put it in our. Our relationship with God and with and with Jesus, it is much more than just uh, a a uh, head decision. I'm going to go and be a part of the church. Uh, there has to be some kind of transformational act in this relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about the righteousness of mm-hmm. God. That's right. Uh, we, we accept new clothes and this is all has always been a, an issue in the church that it's, a, it's tempting just to go to church and act like a good Christian on Sunday yeah. without putting on the new clothes right without accepting the righteousness of God in our hearts and in our lives, in our practice. And so we become nominal Christians and nominal Christianity, Christians in name only, has plagued the church over the years. And so this this parable speaks to that. You, you've got to have on
0: the clothes uh, that God offers us uh, righteousness. Yeah. yeah, and that's, I mean, I love this parable in the fact that we see God's grace. Yeah. You know, when his own reject him, he brings in the worst of the worst, and that you mentioned that's mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm. that's Gentiles would be the the term that we often refer to in the Bible, but for purposes of, of us sitting here, you know, God's graciousness extends to us. Mm. You know that, that that we're invited to the wedding, aren't we? Mm-hmm. But it's important that we have the right clothes, mm-hmm. and so that that set of clothes is righteousness. It's that righteousness that. You know, it only comes from God that comes in a deepening relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this parable's filled with all kinds of wonderful things. It's a message directly to the cultural people there, mm-hmm. you know, about, you know, you were the chosen and you missed it. Mm-hmm. There were probably a few Gentiles that were sitting in around listening, and they were probably, there was their first hearing of, hey, you know, I can be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this whole idea of whoever's coming to the banquet. Make sure you have the right clothes. Um, and so Galatians 3.27, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's we see that in this parable of having the right clothes. And when we have the right clothes, you know, there's, this, there's going to be a wonderful banquet. And we read that in Revelation 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She's been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that's the takeaway for us, what we can expect. And so we have this unexpected wedding, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the story of this wedding. Um, There's expected guests, but they don't show up. And then what's that mean for us? Well, we, by extension, get invited to the feast. Mm -hmm. And... uh, and we're given the the good clothes, the right clothes to put on. And so, any other thoughts that come to for your mind?
2: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever
0: believes on him that's right should not perish. That's right. That's right. So, well, how exciting! I'm mm. yeah. excited to, yeah. to listen to the next one that comes up uh, on Thursday night when the the next night. It's going to be pretty special. I understand as well. So I uh, want to make sure that we uh, tune in for that one as, mm-hmm. as well. So I, I thank you for being a part of this podcast. It's new. I'm not a podcast kind of guy, but uh, it's been fun. And uh, we fun. We've thank you for work. And I appreciate your, your knowledge and insight. I appreciate your freshness and reminding us what a wedding looks like. For some of us, it's been a few years. And so uh, yeah. it's nice to feel that again. So um, let's uh, close in prayer, if we would. And, uh, do
1: yeah absolutely uh, dear Heavenly Father you are so amazing and so gracious God and we just want to thank you um, for inviting us for having us to be a part of um, your blessings that you give God I just pray that um, as we just listen in and read your world God that we can Um, Just really leave our old clothes and put on the new clothes that you give us, God, to um, just fully and just trust you and have that clothing that you provide, not that's provided from anything we do, not provided by anything um, that we say, but just simply provided by a God that loves us. And so, God, I just want to thank you for that. I want to praise you. And I just praise that you use us to glorify your kingdom in everything we do. In Jesus'
3: name, amen. Amen. amen.